I'm Grant, an engineering and technology leader who will share the secrets of IT with you. Listen up, because we're about to get into it. Hey, it's me again. I'm back, and uh, I'm happy to have found some time to put out another episode. If you listened to the last episode, you'll know that I am currently on parental leave, and uh, so we've got baby number three in the house, and we are just doing really great. So the kids are napping right now while I record this, and uh, my daughter actually started kindergarten this week as well. So she's out of the house, and uh, it's a bittersweet moment for me as a dad. I uh, love her to death. And I know it's just kindergarten, but the day that we dropped her off and saw her walk into that building, I realized it was the beginning of the next however many, what, 12, 13 years of school before I get to do the same thing all over again when she goes to college. And uh, had a lot of emotions and feelings this week, but I am putting those deep inside so that I don't have to deal with them for the time being. (laughs) I will resurrect them when she goes off to college and uh, just enjoy being a dad and uh, helping her learn how to be a great person as she grows up in the meantime. So since I wasn't able to produce a podcast episode last month, I did at least get some of my thoughts down on uh, the proverbial paper and post an article on trunk-based development and continuous integration patterns on my website, grantdryden.com. I think I also uh, made a note of this on LinkedIn as well. So if you want to, uh, you can go out to my website and take a look at that. Let me know your thoughts and uh, tell me where you agree, disagree, or where things are different where you work. I would love to talk with you about trunk-based development. And one last thing before we get into the meat of this episode, I just want to send a heartfelt thank you out to everybody who went and reviewed my podcast on the Apple Podcast uh, app. So thank you so much. A couple more five-star reviews rolled in, and I love seeing that. It helps me to relax a little bit, knowing that I'm getting some feedback from you all, and uh, you do appreciate the stuff that I put out there. So for today, what I wanted to do was cover a question that I came across online about transitioning from one software sub-discipline into another. So if you have worked with me at all at any uh, company here in the world or you've seen me on LinkedIn or listened to this podcast at all, you'll know that I've had my hands in a ridiculous amount of different types of technology. Embedded software, enterprise software development, I really don't want to go and list off the litany of things that I've had my hands into, but given my experience and background, I think it positions me uniquely to be able to talk about what it takes to transition from one industry and one tech stack into another and also how to project yourself into the uh, into the ether so that a hiring manager is interested in hiring you for their team so those are the things I'm going to talk about today so if you're looking to switch your job into a different subdiscipline of software engineering the good news is that you know you want to stick with software engineering so programming is fun to you so that's cool that's a good starting point you've got some direction The downside is that you've got a lot of options in front of you and you've got to probably identify why it is why why you want to switch your job as i was thinking this through i just listed out six things that came to mind off the top of my head one of them is the tech stack that you're working on maybe you don't like the actual technology stack maybe you don't like node.js on the back end maybe you don't like writing angular uh, widgets on the front end Maybe you'd rather work React on the front end and have a Java back end. Those are decisions that can heavily impact your quality of life as an engineer. So that's one thing to reflect on and see if that's part of the issue here. The other one is maybe it's the part of the stack that you work on that you don't like. 
I know some people really love writing back-end software and they hate writing front-end. So there's something to focus on. Maybe you can find a job that is not a full-stack position, but is just a back-end software or security engineer or front-end software. You can pick the location in the stack that you, you specialize in. A third reason to consider switching jobs is maybe it's the industry itself that you're unhappy with. I know having worked in aerospace and fintech and insurance, every single one of those industries has a different culture associated with it. And some cultures are more toxic than others. Some are a lot of fun. Um, I would say aerospace is actually a very fun culture to work within, but it can also be high stress because you're flying airplanes and <laughs> you don't want anything to go wrong. So engineering discipline and quality has got to be real high. So all of those things come to play in terms of how much you're going to enjoy working in one industry versus another. And admittedly, the downside of this one is that there's only so much you can learn in the time that we have to work. And when I say that, what I mean is we don't live forever, so you can't work in every industry in the world. We also are sometimes limited based on the, the regions that we live in. Um, certain regions of the United States or of the world focus on in certain industries, and so you're going to be limited by some of those factors as well. And that's okay. You can talk to your friends, you can read things online, and just take a pick of what industry you want to start with. See if you like it. If you don't, you can move on to a different one. A fourth thing to consider is maybe it's the company that you work for that you're unhappy with. There are some companies that try and do good for the neighborhood or for the local community. There are other companies that really don't care at all. It's all about making money. And so the company value system is going to influence how much you love working there. So that's something to reflect on as well. Number five would be the team that you work on. Sometimes the product backlog that you have to work with is more exciting on some teams versus others. There have been some research and development teams that have worked on like really cool stuff in my time. Like I've loved working on those teams and uh, the work was exciting, but the pay wasn't really good. So that was a bummer. And then there have been other teams I've worked on where the pay was really good, but the products were really boring. I don't want to name those ones out loud, but I've been on those teams as well. And so that's something for you to consider. Maybe it's the company's just fine. Maybe the tech stack's fine. You just want to find a different team internally to build your career at because uh, the products are, are better or the management's better. So I wouldn't throw the whole company out if just your manager or your team are not really uh, something that makes you excited to go into work every day. And last but not least, for number six, I've got the type of engineering work that you do could be a reason why you want to switch jobs. Maybe you are doing mobile application development and you, do, you want to do cloud computing. Or maybe you're a data engineer and you actually want to focus on security engineering. Or maybe you're a DevOps engineer and you want to do pure software development as a web app developer. Those are all types of engineering work that you can switch up and change within the software engineering domain as well. So tons of options. I don't even want to try and calculate the number of combinations or permutations we've got here between those six um, different ways that you can switch jobs. And I'm sure there are more that I didn't listen there, but I'm making this list in order to just explain the vast array of options that are available to a software developer. This field is absolutely enormous. And so you, there's definitely a place in this field that you will enjoy working, uh, even if you don't enjoy the first job that you've ever got or the one that you're currently in right now. So how do you actually switch jobs from one of these careers into another one? It sounds like some of these things aren't an easy transition. 
Like if you are a Swift software expert and you write iPhone applications, how on earth do you start writing Java applications that would run on enterprise software systems like a WebSphere farm or a cloud computing system? Well, the, there's good and bad news here. I would say that uh, first things first is just try it out. Most of the things that you're going to want to be able to uh, do are publicly available. And when I say that, it's like cloud computing. You can sign up for AWS essentially for free or for super cheap, you know, $10 a month. Get yourself an EC2 instance and start writing some software and learning the ecosystem. There are tutorials on YouTube for free. AWS actually puts out some pretty decent documentation and tutorials themselves. You don't have to get certified at all. You can go learn these things on your own time, build some projects, and figure that system out. In fact, that's my personal preferred method of learning. I am not a big proponent of certifications. I think they are oversold in the, the industry, and I don't necessarily see somebody who has a certification in AWS as more valuable than somebody who doesn't have a certification but has learned how to use that system themselves. Everybody who is going to work on one of my teams gets the same assessment, and if you can submit a resume that shows you have the qualifications to, to do the job and you can pass the assessment that we're going to give you uh, just to verify you know your stuff, then you can be a part of the team. That's effectively what an interview boils down to. So certifications may look good on paper. Some people may care about them a lot. It ultimately boils down to whether or not you can or can't do the job. And so the power is in your hands for most of these systems. You can learn Google Cloud, you can learn Azure, you can learn AWS, you can do iPhone programming, Android programming, you can build um, web applications, you can build websites. Literally everything that you would want to do is at your fingertips. The only things that are kind of isolated or locked off are things like WebSphere. I'm actually not sure off the top of my head if that is a system that the general developer who you know isn't doing it professionally has access to. And honestly, it's not super hard to learn. And so when I was working on those teams, we didn't necessarily say you have to have WebSphere um, experience. We did say you had to understand how to write Java software, though. So we would give generic Java um, interviews and assessments to make sure you could write the software. And the WebSphere stuff, we would teach you on the job because uh, it wasn't rocket science. It's really just learning how to configure your Java software to run in a certain type of an environment. So I, do, I would not worry too much about those types of things. But for all the other stuff, there's so much information available, you can teach a lot of it to yourself uh, to prepare you for a career switch. So I don't mean for it to sound flippant, and I know it can come across that way when I'm just like, just build a project, pick a stack. And that's not really the way I'm intending for that to be, right? I think that the way of learning how to write software best is just by writing it by stumbling through, by trying things, because you can only learn so much from reading a book or uh, taking courses like Udemy or Udacity or Pluralsight or watching YouTube videos. A lot of the skills that you're gonna need to build come from doing the job. And uh, the best way to do the job in a stress-free environment where mistakes are encouraged and okay is by doing a side project. And the hardest part about that is defining what it is do you wanna build? And so I'll give you an idea for free here. Build a budgeting app. The good thing about a budgeting app is it can be all centralized on one device, or you can split it up into a front end and a back end and an API layer in between to communicate. 
And from there, you got to decide where do you want your front end to run? Do you want it to be in a mobile application? Do you want it to be a web application? Um, the interface, do you want it to be a SOAP or RESTful interface? What kind of data do you want to use to transfer data? Do you want it to be XML or JSON format? And on the back end, do you want it to be running locally on a server in your house? Do you want it to run on uh, Google Cloud or AWS or Azure? And uh, those are some of the, the decision points that you can drive your learning experience through. Like if you really want to be a cloud computing expert, then obviously pick a cloud on the back end to store your data and to serve it from. And from there, you can you can pick which cloud do you want to get experience in. Do you want to do it in AWS or GCP? So there are trade-offs with both of those. And if you don't know, it's fine. Just pick one. Pick AWS. There you go. I'll give you the answer on that one. Because just picking one will get you started in a direction. And so many people get freaked out because there are too many options and they don't know where to go and they don't want to make a mistake on which option they choose. And the reality of it is there's not a, a right or a wrong answer because knowing any of them is a thousand times better than knowing none of them because you were too paralyzed to make a decision. So don't sweat it. This is a side project. You're just trying it out. You're trying to gain some experience. Pick one and maybe in hindsight you'll realize, oh crap, I, I shouldn't have picked AWS. I should have picked GCP. And that's fine. Uh, it's not the end of the world. You, guess what? You've got experience in AWS as a result of you picking a decision and sticking with it and building something in that ecosystem. And that is a good thing. Then the last thing I want to leave my thoughts on this trying it out um, with the budgeting app idea is that you can pick which area you want to focus on first. The example here was you wanted to be a cloud engineer, so you bust it up into three locations, the front end, the API layer, and the back end. So don't worry about the front end for now. So focus on the back end. What, you're working on AWS. You're going to be an EC2 instance probably. What do you need to run on your EC2 instance? A Docker container? Cool. Run that. Um, a standalone application that's built in C or C++, that's fine too. Whatever you want to do, you're going to get your backend uh, application running and your uh, application hooked up to the interfaces and so you can learn how to set up your EC2 instance and allow traffic in and out of your instance. All of those things are going to come into play here. That gives you a starting point. You don't have to worry about the stuff that is not immediately critical to you. So think in terms of systems. Front end, do later. API, do later. Back end, do now. Database, do later. Configuration of the EC2 instance, probably important, do now. And that'll get you started on building a budgeting app, focusing on cloud computing as your, um, as your goal. Maybe you get done with building out AWS and you want to port it over to GCP and learn how to configure that environment. That'd be a great next step as well, um, or doing that on Azure. So you can see you can take this whole concept, this idea of a thing that you want to build, and just focus on the parts that are relevant because there's no downside of not building your front end. You can just mock out the, the test data or the inputs that a user would submit to the back end. You can do that in a variety of different ways. So you don't have to overcomplicate it. You don't have to you know, do anything more than what I just uh, explained there as an example. And if you do those things, you're going to stumble through it. You're going to have to get online. You're going to have to search for a bunch of answers of, oh my goodness, how do I do X, Y, Z? Or I'm sending traffic to my instance and I'm getting a, a 403 forbidden. What now? Or a 500 internal server error. What now? You're just going to Google and work your way through it, and you're going to learn so much in that process. 
it'll be just stellar by the time you're done building your application how far you've come. Can you be effective by just getting a certification? Of course, but I'm very heavily biased towards the doing side projects approach. The budgeting app I just um, suggested is a great way to get started in a ton of different aspects of software engineering. If that's not quite hitting it for you, if you want to do game development, for example, just pick up Unity. Start there. That's an easy thing to learn with lots of available resources. If you want to do embedded software development, then you should probably pick up a Raspberry Pi, and that'll get you started in learning about operating software with high constraints, writing probably some C or C++, and also interfacing with peripheral devices as well, doing all of the embedded device things. And if none of those ideas are still getting it for you, then maybe you are looking for more of like a, a website development thing. You want to work on a, a particular type of stack. Get started with WordPress. Uh, I think that is a great tool. Uh, I love PHP personally, but WordPress is very effective at quickly building and launching websites. And I would say, don't go through a provider that will let you quickly establish a WordPress instance. Instead, what you should do is find a way of getting a website like hosting for you, and then you personally install WordPress on your web host. That will get you the best experience of how to operate and manage a WordPress website. That'll get you database management skills, web hosting skills, and you can even use that as a way of building you know, text messages from your website. I integrated one of mine with Twilio, and that was a great experience for me to learn how to send a text message from my um, website. I've built mailing lists from my websites as well, and what that let me do is figure out how to configure emails so that they make it through spam filters to the receiver on the other end. Nothing is like fully foolproof, especially not without spending tons of money, uh, because a lot of the email delivery services are based on reputation, and you get a high reputation by buying systems that have high reputations. It's a whole thing I'll go into in another episode. But my point being that these are, I think I've laid out four different ways of getting into different areas of the technology space here as a software developer specifically, focusing on all these different things. So it's a blast. You can get involved in any of these things that I've discussed today for free, uh, using a little bit of an idea of what it is you want to do with these technologies. And that'll help you kind of tailor down how you want to switch your jobs. Now, most of the examples that I used here were for a software developer. How can you take your software development skills and then move them into different sub-disciplines or different industries within software development? The catch here is if you want to change your career from software developer to something like security engineer or machine learning engineer or data engineer or network engineer, specializations such as that, you're going to have to get additional education and very, very specific tailored skill sets to jump into those areas. Now, the hiring manager may be looking for a general software developer to come in and bring some fresh ideas into the space, but generally, if you apply for a data engineering position, you need to have some sort of a background in data science. Not every computer science degree will be perfectly uh, applicable to data engineering or security engineering. Um, maybe for an entry-level position, but definitely not for a mid or a more senior position. And so the good news about you know doing a cloud engineering 
work is that you're going to get exposed to networking and security just by nature of configuring the cloud. You'll be familiar with ingress and egress. And then if you use AWS, the Route 53 internal networking of uh, how that works. So you get exposure to some of the network engineering types of ideas, but it's really not as deep as if you had focused solely on network engineering. And uh, in this instance, I'll go ahead and use myself as an example uh, because my brother-in-law does a lot of engineering on network types of things, right? He's not a network engineer, but he ends up doing a ton of that work. And when I compare my knowledge base to his knowledge base, he far outclasses me because he just does so much of that work day to day. And even though I've configured my home network, I've configured cloud networks, I've done a lot of really complicated things. There are times when he's talking about IP addresses and, and how to assign those and block those off into like groups. And it just goes right over my head. So a lot of that knowledge you're not going to get outside of either a certification or formal training like he's had. Uh, you're just not going to get exposed to it because you may, if you're working on a side project, you may find a different way of doing that stuff. It's not as effective. It's not really the best way of doing it, but you figured it out, you scrapped it together, and it worked. So you've got some knowledge, but you really don't know the way the industry intended for IP address blocks to work is. And I know... Early on, I said I don't put too much stock in certifications uh, or formal training necessarily. And the caveat there was, uh, was I wasn't talking about these niche engineering positions like machine learning or data engineering or security engineering, right? They're, those are really deep subsets and sub-disciplines of software engineering. And in those instances, a certification could be pretty effective or some formalized training. I know some people really benefit from having that structure to follow because it forces them to learn something. And while those people can be good engineers, I, I really truly do think that the best engineers that I've met in the industry are the ones who are curious enough to just go out there, have at a project and figure it out because the dopamine fires in their brain when they're trying to solve a problem and they get satisfaction out of being curious and in, in resolving these issues. I think those are the greatest engineers, not that you can't be a good engineer if you aren't curious. But, uh, you know, those are just my two cents here. And so, again, for these more specific specialized skills, I do think some level of formalized training or certification could be beneficial for a lot of people because, uh, again, we're not talking about a generic certification like an agile practitioner or an entry-level cloud architect position. A lot of those entry-level knowledge bases or generic knowledge bases are things that you can just learn on a side project and be very sufficient at. I hope this has given you some food for thought and uh, some things to reflect on. So at this point in time, you, you have hopefully picked a direction to try next. You don't have to have 100% confidence this is the right next step for you. But if you are doing something and you've decided, hey, I want to change, I don't want to be an embedded software engineer anymore, like just go build a WordPress website. See if you like doing that type of work and uh, see where it leads you. And there's nothing wrong in taking a week or a month to go off and build some WordPress websites and make some custom modules. But the point is here, you're learning new skills and you're breaking out of the embedded software industry to learn something new. 
once you've gone in that direction and you find a direction that you're happy with, you enjoy the work, you like the languages that you're using, you like the tech stack, you're a little comfortable with it because uh, you've built a few side projects, then continue to develop your skills in that area until you are very comfortable. Uh, because once you're very comfortable, then you're going to perform well in an interview. The, the better you know your stuff, uh, the more comfortable you will be in the interview. And if you already have a job, as in this example, an embedded software engineer, then you're making money. And the best time to go out and interview and find a new job is when you currently have a job. Because at that point in time, you're not desperate to get this next job. And so the, the stakes are lower, the risk is lower, and your confidence will be higher, and your anxiety will also be lower. And you can tell in an interview if somebody is really nervous and really scared and really just wanting that position super bad, people radiate that energy during the interview and it oftentimes makes the pressure too high on them to perform well. So having a job and then having some of the skills to interview while you're currently working your job is the best approach to getting a new job and switching out of your uh, discipline of engineering into a new one that I could recommend. Now, when you're switching out of a, a sub-discipline, you may not feel qualified to jump from a senior software developer position into a senior machine learning engineer position right off the bat, and that's fine. Some of these more specific uh, niche skill sets like machine learning, AI, network engineering, uh, the bar is going to be higher for someone trying to get a senior position than they will be in other areas. Like if you moved from a web app developer to an API developer, that those are close enough that you can probably go from senior to senior level and not break a sweat. But if you're switching out entirely from, uh, you know, web developer to machine learning engineer, you may not be able to go swing from senior to senior. Now you might, it depends on what that hiring manager is looking for. And you can certainly apply for senior positions. Uh, but I think if you're going into a specific niche like that, um, you may want to target a mid-level developer. You definitely do not have to go all the way back to the beginning of your career and act like you're an entry-level engineer. I'd highly recommend not doing that because if you're a senior engineer at, in your career at some point in time or, or even above there as a staff or a lead uh, engineer somewhere, then the experience that you've gotten there isn't purely about you producing output. You've learned how teams work. You've learned how to deliver projects with multiple engineers working on them. Hopefully by the time you're a senior, um, you have learned how to learn faster than you did when you were an entry level. You know how to focus on problems, how to modularize code, or, or at least problem solve and think critically about the work that you're doing. So you get a ton of other skills that are relevant to being a senior or a staff engineer. And so those are the skills that set you apart from an entry level developer. Now, of course, you've you've learned some skills in cloud engineering, but you were never a cloud engineer. Okay, that's the example here. That's okay. That that doesn't mean you're an entry level cloud engineer. It means that you are a senior engineer who is entry level technically in cloud engineering, and that would qualify you for more than an entry level position. And just by looking at your resume, I would not expect a senior engineer elsewhere to apply for an entry-level position on my team. Uh, in fact, I, I probably wouldn't hire them for that because they're way overqualified. 
They'll get in, they'll be an entry level, and they will learn significantly faster than someone that I hired from college or someone who's just entering the field of work. They're going to get bored or they'll get frustrated and then they'll want promoted more quickly than someone else may uh, want to be promoted. And so those are all the things that I think uh, you should consider for yourself when you're applying for positions. You can step down a level, look for mid-level positions if you're a senior, um, or you can try and go lateral and go senior to senior. And if you're super confident, then uh, maybe you could even try for a senior to staff engineer, even level up your career. Uh, the decision is in your hands, but I think that trying to level up your career, you're just going to be weak in the experience department on your resume. I don't know if you would get taken as seriously as someone who actually had, you know, 15 years of experience in machine learning. Uh, if they applied for the position of a staff engineer at a machine learning company. So those are some uh, food for thought. I think don't undersell yourself uh, if you are further in your career and you're trying to switch out because uh, that was actually my, uh, my deal. I went from mid-level engineering to senior engineering when I left embedded software engineering and went to go web applications. So that was a, a doable thing to level up my career and switch engineering disciplines at the same time. The good news there was I was switching into to web applications, but it was still C and C++ and Java. And I had all of those relevant skills in my background as a mid-level engineer. And so I knew my stuff. I did the interview, and they uh, accepted me as a, as a senior engineer when I did that career switch. But the barrier to entry was low for me. I didn't have to switch into a whole brand new tech stack. I was working on web applications in their legacy stack. So they had a new tech stack, but a lot of their mission critical um, products and uh, software was running on the old tech stack that was due to be outdated and refreshed, but they just hadn't gotten that far in the development by the time I had applied. So I really lucked out, honestly. So I don't think that that option is going to happen for everybody because the massive component of luck associated with it, but it is possible. So I can't do, uh, read the future for everybody listening to this podcast right now. So you'll have to um, make that assessment for yourself and apply for positions that you think would be interesting for you to, uh, to, to work in. Well, I hope that this episode has given you something to think about and consider for yourself. If you are looking at switching careers, or even if you're not looking at switching careers, I don't think there's any harm in learning other disciplines or sub-disciplines of engineering. I think the more that you can learn as an engineer, the more well-rounded you will be in general, and the better your problem-solving skills will be. I think I've mentioned in uh, other episodes that there are times that I have used techniques for solving firmware development or uh, logic problems that are applied mainly in, you know, Boolean logic. I've used those types of problem solving skills and techniques in other areas of software engineering that, you know, if you just had a computer science degree, you probably wouldn't even know about because it's only applied for electrical circuits. And so that is just part of my hybrid background of computer engineering. And I think that type of cross-discipline and cross-field work can happen all the time. The more you know, the more you can apply these techniques of problem solving to your current engineering problem. And uh, that's a good thing. I don't think there's anything bad here or anything wrong with learning more uh, engineering techniques. 
So if you like this episode, please hop over to Apple Podcasts, give me a five-star review. Uh, If you are listening to me on other applications and you can rate my podcast, please do the same thing on those. And uh, if you've got questions or comments or want my advice, go to grantdryden.com. You can contact me there or shoot me an email at hello at grantdryden.com or tweet me at tweets of grant. I look forward to hearing from you and I will see you again next time.